Hello, I'm Aaron Smith. Welcome to The Study, Episode 10. The Study is a magical place to better your craft. Visit The Study at themagicdepot.com forward slash study. There you will find the essay in which this podcast is based, some show notes, the archives, and special promotions for free magic, discount magic, and combo offers. You can also contact me through the site to leave listener mail. In this episode, I am going to share with you my methods for transforming any classic trick into a signature magic performance. And I'm going to do this while answering all of the most frequently asked Sands of the Desert questions. If you love the classics, have ever considered performing Sands of the Desert specifically, or you you just want to know how it works to see if it'll fit your show, then this is the episode for you. This episode is brought to you by creativeallmedia.com. If you are a performer or an inventor, then you've wondered if there isn't some clever way for new customers to find your products or services. Well, you're right. And you can find out what it is at creativeallmedia.com. Use your free online consultation to discover new areas of market entry. Sometimes all it takes is the right words. creativeallmedia.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-A-L-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. So you see a magic trick that you really, really want to perform in your show. You've seen it for sale in a magic shop before. It looks incredible. The moves are within your skill level. It's in your price range, etc. There's just one problem. Everyone does this trick. Think standard sponge ball routines, sawing in half, zigzag, linking rings, newspaper tears, bird productions, escapes, the list goes on. These aren't, these aren't tricks exclusively well-known to magicians either. Everyday people have seen these tricks. Many of them in, have seen them in person more than once. Even card tricks suffer from this. I've heard a plethora of magicians, myself included, say, now we're going to do something a little different. Pick a card. Yeah, nothing screams brand new, cutting-edge magic like pick a card. The question is, how can you transform this commonplace trick into your own signature magic performance? Familiarity breeds contempt, as they say. So how do we remedy this? And, and it doesn't just apply to magic routines, full magic tricks, but sometimes just, just techniques or uh, like the muscle pass, for instance, or, or maybe it's a, a slight that the audience doesn't see and you want to start incorporating that. Same rules apply. In 99% of these cases, your first safe bet is to throw away the performance instructions, whether that's a piece of paper or a DVD. Why? Because there is art hidden in those instructions. This applies to demo videos too, especially to demo videos. Take a look at the gimmick, the gaff, the, the whatever you received with the instructions, that's, that's, that's not art, at least not performance art. Even if it's the best thing since sliced cards, it is an art supply. If learning to draw were the same as learning magic tricks, an artist's how-to books would be filled with finished illustrations. Unless you're wanting to copy another magician's work, then I would ignore how other magicians perform the trick you're wanting to add to your show, at least in the very beginning. I recommend doing some research later, after the creative process is over, to make sure you didn't accidentally recreate someone else's act. So what does that mean for our example trick, Sands of the Desert? 
Since some of our listeners may not know what I'm talking about when I say Sands of the Desert, I'll need to first explain briefly what Sands of the Desert is, the traditional mainstream routine. Then we'll dig in and go over all of the working parts. That way we're all on the same page and and know what's going on. Here's the routine in a nutshell. The magician fills a glass bowl with water, waves his hands through it, and the water turns black. He pours red sand into the water, stirs it up. He does the same thing with blue sand and yellow sand. It's all mixed up in there together. He reaches into the water, and not only is he able to retrieve the red sand by itself, it emerges completely dry, as if it's never been in the water. The magician repeats this with the next two colors, one at a time, then waves his hands through the water, and the liquid magically turns clear again. It's a pretty famous trick. You can perform it close-up, parlor, street, stage. It's a very versatile routine. So how does it work? Well, the sand doesn't mix with the water or the other colors of sand. Thus, it's separate and dry. The Blackwater clear water effect uses three chemicals. You can discover these chemicals in Chemical Magic by Lippy, uh, or you can buy the chemicals uh, ready to go at sandsofthedesert.com. Obviously, in my description of the method, I didn't actually expose the secret. You won't need the secret uh, to understand this podcast, as the secret is very easy to keep secret while discussing fully the trick and how it's performed. If you don't already know the secret, then honestly, that's pretty cool. You're in for a treat. I mean, you can literally amaze yourself with this stuff. I mean, technically, you could amaze an audience with a demonstration of the secret to this trick. It's that cool. You're going to love it. There'll be two types of magicians listening to this. One who wants to perform their very own signature Sands of the Desert routine. The other type will want to perform the traditional uh, routine. The version they've seen before, have heard about, and know they can purchase it from magic shops. As is, it's an amazing effect. Huge impact, close-up or stage, I get it. I understand why you want to perform the popular or mainstream version, even though those are sometimes derogatory descriptions. But where do you start? The bowl. The traditional routine centers, in, in many ways, around the bowl. That's the, the vessel that's used to hold water. That's the traditional routine. Well, another routine may not even use a bowl, but in the mainstream version, the bowl is where the sands go to be magical. The bowl doesn't have to be big. Well, in fact, a small bowl is ideal, even if you want this trick for your stage show. I see magicians using those large aquariums, and sometimes it looks good, sometimes it doesn't. If the only reason why you want a big tank of water is to make this trick look bigger, more grand then save your money. It's unnecessary. That's what the reveal is for. And and that makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense if you think about it. You mix the sands into a small container of water, then let it flow from your hands in a, in a big way. It's similar to an oil and water card routine. Mixing the cards takes a long time. It's a process. Unmixing them is instant. It's magical. Now, Hobby Lobby sells a round dish that's clear about a foot across, maybe six inches deep. Uh, It's the perfect size, in my opinion, and it has a a flat bottom. I think it's about $20, $30, but they they usually have a 40% off coupon on their website. Hobby Lobby also has other glassware there too, but, but beware. Items that seem like clever Sands of the Desert vessels might actually be the same prop other magicians gravitate toward. The giant 
martini glass, for instance. Or it could make, uh, the vessel you choose could make the trick more difficult because of its shape. The giant martini glass, for instance. That V shape causes the sands to end up visible against the bottom of the glass. You'll want to use about an ounce of sands per inch of water due to pressure. So a six inch dish filled four to five inches deep would need about four ounces of each color of sand. That's, that's a pretty big handful if you're using wax sands. Uh, wax sands are first poured to the hand, then placed in the water, which means if you want to use wax-coated sands and a huge container of water, you better have big hands. Uh, you, you want enough sand that your audience can see it from the cheap seats, and you want enough sand so that it really flows on the reveal, but, but not so much that it's unmanageable. Remember that whatever sand you submerge, you'll need to remove from the water. That's especially important if you're pouring the sands from a glass. Uh, if it won't fit in your hands, you'll either need to use another prop or use both hands, which, which can look suspicious. Not always, but sometimes. Uh, or you can leave some of the sands submerged. But that only works if you're using an opaque bowl or leave the water black at the end, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you... you you have to do something so that they don't see piles of leftover sand uh, neatly positioned in the water. You can also get a bowl similar to the one at Hobby Lobby uh, from Walmart in their floral department. They have one with rounded sides and one with straight sides. I like them both, but for different reasons. I, I really dig the rounded sides because it's on a, a bowl only a few inches deep. The shape makes it look fuller than it is, um, very deceptive. I like those bowls, uh, they're both under $10. The, the problem with fish bowls, if you're gravitating towards that, is that the top is usually too narrow for both hands, like during the stirring of the water. And those, those vessels look like fish bowls, because that's what they are. And you're making a statement that better match your presentation. Uh, antique stores are another good place to find bowls. The old crystal sometimes has a charm to it that you can't get with modern glassware. You'll need some other items too. Chances are um, you want your props to either match or go together as part of a specific theme, uh, eclectic or otherwise. So you'll need three vessels from which to pour your sands, uh, either to your hand first or directly to the water, depending on which sands you buy, synthetic or waxed. So if you're if your bowl is short, uh, then three very tall, long-stemmed wine glasses might give a nice contrast. Hobby Lobby has those too, of course, uh, but you can find them elsewhere. There are candle glasses that are also very tall, sometimes three different heights to a set. You'll find those at uh, big home decorating stores, pretty cheap. Uh, is, is Garden Ridge still around, or is that regional? I'm not really sure. Uh, Pier 1 might be a more general brand uh, to use as an example. Consider using a, a pitcher from which to pour the water into the bowl instead of beginning with the, the bowl already full of water. You, you can start with the bowl already full, but you can also have Chemical 1 from Blackwater Clearwater in the bowl to start you know, just dry there in the bottom, then fill the bowl with water right before the trick. I think filling the, the bowl with water right before you begin the trick is part of the show. I think that's, I think that adds quite a bit. You can try it different ways or see what works for you. Uh, it adds a lot of impact, I think. Uh, and, and with some of the chemical brands, you have to do that. Uh, the first chemical uh, for Blackwater Clearwater, especially if it's the cheap stuff, uh, will turn yellow pretty quick. All versions yellow the water a bit after an extended period of time, uh, 
But Blackwater Clearwater, that specific one from sansadesert.com, it's actually called Blackwater Clearwater. Uh, it's linked to on the essay page. It doesn't yellow hardly at all. You can start clear and end clear. Uh, but remember, when you put when you put chemical one into the water, you have a finite time uh, before it does start turning the the water yellow. And like I said, in some brands, that's instant. You add it to the water, the water turns yellow. And and I have seen videos, people have sent me videos where it honestly looks like they're doing sands of the wa- uh, sands of the desert in pee in urine. I'm not joking. It looks that bad. Uh, so the time starts from the beginning of the trick to the end. It, uh, as long as that chemical one is in the water, it is altering the water to look, uh, to look yellow. And that's, that's occurring even while the, uh, while the water is black. So even though you can't see it yellowing, it still is. Uh, but like I said, Blackwater Clearwater, the specific one, it's the most popular Blackwater Clearwater trick on the market. If you, if you find that, uh, uh, it's everywhere. That one has um, uh, that that one has a really good chemical one. I don't know of any other brands that have that kind of chemical one, and it doesn't seem to yellow the the water at all. If if you add uh, the the amount you're supposed to add uh, per the the proper uh, ratio of water, it it won't yellow it. At least not noticeable from a presentation point of view. Uh, let's see, and then. You need some presentation, some setup for the reveal. That might mean, if you can afford it, letting the sands flow from your hand to the ground or, or stage and just sweep it up later, you know, trash it. Uh, you don't have to buy the sand starter kits, which come with very little sand. Uh, buy the refill packs. They come with all the stuff, uh, just more sands. It saves money. Some performers buy 20-plus refill packs a year. Others can make uh, one pack, that's three pounds of sands, one pound for each color, last for a year's worth of performances. On the reveal, you can pour the sands into a container, uh, a different one for each color. That way, you dry them out and reuse them. Sands are, are reusable for... Gosh, I, I don't know how long specifically. Uh, there are a lot of variables to consider there, but but several uses at least. And you know, maybe I, I think from Sands, I've probably gotten twenty uh, performances out of a single uh, out of a single batch. I think that most magicians collect and reuse the Sands. And, you know, with your ear to the ground, that's what you'll hear. Most of them do collect and reuse. And sometimes the Sands are still usable even when they mix together. For instance, you can use red and blue Sands to make purple Sands. After the sands dry, you just store them in a tub or jar or bag, then then use them for a special version of your routine or or as practice sands, if nothing else. Now, uh, Kirby Van Birch uses big white plates in his show. The plates are standing up on end. I assume, I assume he uses a plate holder as they're at a slight angle like they would be on a plate holder. It lets the sands flow from his hand over the plate, like in front of the plate, between the plate and the audience, which really makes the sands pop. They uh, contrast the white plates. I, I don't know if he had a little tray to collect the sands or if he even reuses them. Uh, I also don't know if that's his original idea or if the credit goes to someone else. It's really clever uh, regardless. It's, it's a very clever way to reveal the sands. Another idea 
is you can have a spectator hold a glass as you pour the the now dry sand, uh, the now dry and separate sands uh, right in front of them, and the audience is all. Uh, on stage, you could have a wire holder that tips a glass bowl forward, or even a you know a white bowl. That's uh, that's a good way to integrate the the Kirby concept with a built-in tray to recover the sands. That way, you can reuse them. Uh, you'll also need, just like in the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a towel. Uh, do not underestimate the convenience of a towel, both in method and, and honestly, just to keep your hands dry. Uh, for, main, uh, for the mainstream routine, your setup is the bowl on the table, uh, either filled with water or there's a pitcher there too. It, if the bowl is empty, chemical one is sprinkled in the bottom, but if the bowl is already full, then you have chemical one probably mixed into the water that's in the pitcher. Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, that's already in the bowl. And then some magicians even package chemical one and chemical two together at their proper proportions uh, so that both chemicals are added to the water at the same time. You know, that way you only have to grab the one little packet. Regardless, uh, you have two little packets hidden somewhere, one with chemical two and possibly chemical one, depending on the aforementioned setup, and one with chemical three. In the old, uh, I should mention, chemical three's packet sh will probably be a little bit bigger because it takes more of chemical three uh, to turn the water clear than it does for chemical one and chemical two to turn the water black. Now, in the old days, they used a piece of coffee filter, like you would wrap them up to make the bundle, or one-ply tissue paper to, to hold the chemicals. Just, you know, little folded packets, little billets filled with the, the chemical. Uh, toilet paper works so much better than a coffee filter. It nearly dissolves completely. Uh, at minimum, it'll stick to the bottom and stay there if you guide it to that position. Some modern brands are actually made to break down, uh, like for RV use, for instance. So uh, the point of that is where to hide the packets. Well, in your, in your towel, of course. After you pour the water in the bowl, or even if you begin with the water already in there, wave your hands through the water, then dry them. When dry, get the first packet, which contains chemical two, uh, or, you know, the combo of chemical one, like we've discussed. And now when you wave your hands through the water again, the water magically turns black. You can submerge the little piece of paper or, or ditch it in the towel when you, when you dry your hands. Literally, just a little tiny piece of paper. You can get rid of it anywhere. Okay, so, so here's where the routine diverges depending on your sand's choice. For wax sands, you will pour the sand from the vessel in which it's displayed into your hand. You'll squeeze the sands into a clump, and then you'll place the clump in the water against the bottom of the bowl. For synthetic sands, you can simply pour the sand straight from the glass into the water, and it will automatically pile up. The sands will automatically pile up into a little clump on the bottom of the bowl. Now, for both synthetic and waxed, you reach into the water and you know, find the clump. Uh, it's important to understand that both types of sands clump under water. Uh, you find the clump, and then you you move that pile of sands uh, uh, to the left side of the bowl toward the back. Uh, if it's too close to the wall, the people behind you might see through the dark water. So, uh, you know, keep it keep it a little ways, but to where you can still find it later. Then you repeat uh, the previous step with the next color, and you maybe move that one to the right of the bowl. Uh, and then you do the same thing with the third color. Uh, only the third pile goes uh, uh, toward the back middle, let's say. That way you know that it's, you know, one, three, two, or something like that, or maybe you do them one, two, three, uh, however you want to do it. So now you stir the water 
uh, with your hands. It, you you stir the water uh, with your hands between each sand's color. That's why that way it looks like it's messing up all of the sand and mixing it with the water. And so they just figure it must be a big mess in there by the time you're you're done with all the three the three colors. So uh, so how do you stir the water? Well, you put your hands in the water uh, straight, but then you bend them. Uh, you, you know, you, you want it to look like they're they're in there deeper than they are. You only want to stir the upper and middle columns of the water, yet you want it to look like you're up to your elbows in the water. An exaggeration, uh, obviously, with the short-sighted uh, bowls that I recommended. Uh, I like to make this part of the routine as messy as possible. Others seem to keep their versions pretty clean. Uh, the black water is a dye, so you do have to prepare your other props if you plan to be sloshy. You know, you can put a towel over your table and then set the bowl down and, you know, set up your whole routine. Or, you know, you can have newspaper down or, you know, you can perform uh, just something to where it catches that excess water. And you might want to do that anyway, even if you are, you know, trying to keep it clean. So now all you have to do, uh, you know, after that process, uh, uh, all you have to do is reveal uh, that the sands are separate and dry. So how you do that, you, you reach into the water and you remove a clump, probably the first one you put in. Uh, very important here, you shake off the excess water while your hand is still closed in a fist and still over the vessel. So um, synthetic sand will flow free from your hand right away. But wax sands will need a little uh, caress first to open up the clump. Uh, then it flows just like the synthetic does. So you dry your hands, of course, especially on the last one. That way you can get uh, chemical three uh, without getting it all over the place. You uh, wave your hands through the water again, and, and voila, uh, the water turns clear. That's it. I mean, really, that's uh, sands of the desert. Uh, there are a lot of differences in sands, though. I, first, I, I don't know of anyone who is still using silicone vapors to make sands, uh, even though that's what you— all over the the internet, that's how they claim it's made, uh, and only the the cheap sands have ever used an oven and waterproofing spray uh, like that, which is exposed, you know, all over YouTube. The truth is, the method for making the good, true synthetic sands is is known to very few people on Earth. Uh, when made correctly, the fine grain sands look a lot better uh, than, say, the coarser sands, uh, but the uh, but the coarser sands are far more uh, forgiving uh, during the routine. Uh, Sandsadesert.com sells mostly fine sands. The colors are pure, and you can mix and match. In other words, the packs are sold in original colors, fluorescent and naturals, but you can choose whatever color combinations you want. Uh, magicians in the U.S. Uh, like to get red, white, and blue sands. Magicians from other countries like to have their flag colors, too. You can, you can do whatever you want. Uh, now, wax sands are uh, how they're made is, is pretty much common knowledge, I think. Uh, but the good stuff doesn't use regular wax like you buy at the store. It's, it's a special wax made in-house uh, that is more of one ingredient than the other. So it's, it's like normal paraffin wax, uh, but instead of, uh, you know, like paraffin wax is sold, you know, for, as like a sealing wax or a candle wax or whatever. Uh, and the, the way that it's made for, for those uses is very different than Sands of the Desert. Um, there's, there's basically two ingredients in the paraffin wax that's used for sands of the desert. And those ingredients are adjusted specifically for what magicians are needing, uh, in that type of, of product. Now, if you've ever felt the difference between a good wax sands and a crappy wax sands, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So can you pour 
waxed sands? I get that question all the time, and I hate answering it honestly. Yes, yes. With a lot of practice, you can pour wax sands. I can pour wax sands, no problem. I use a straight-sided glass, as you should, to concentrate the pour into one place. You should, you should do that no matter what. Uh, you also have to be near the surface of the water. Uh, but most people I talk to who try to pour wax sands get too frustrated. They either, uh, you know, they, they go ahead and just squeeze it first, as was intended, or they switch to synthetic sands. You can pour wax sands. Is it extremely difficult? Yes. Is it worth your time? That's up to you. Uh, it's not necessary. You can just get synthetic unless you're wanting, uh, uh, to pour wax sand and use, you know, for one routine and you'd normally use the wax for another, uh, wax sand definitely has its, uh, its benefits though. I mean, there's things that you can only do with wax sands. Uh, it, when it, when it's clumped together, it's, it's pretty tight. Uh, now hybrid sands, that's the newest sands of the desert sands. It's, it's both. When the special wax is made that I was just talking about, a proprietary additive uh, that simulates the traditional synthetic coating uh, in the in the synthetic sands, it's added to that mix. And then the sands are made, and then another special coating is applied, literally to every single grain. Uh, it's a pourable wax sands or a clumping synthetic sands, however you want to look at it. Uh, most people think, wow, that, that's perfect. But there are some drawbacks. First, hybrid is expensive due to all the manufacturing steps. So if you don't need those double features, then you can go with the cheaper one. And like I said, just get the refill pack and you have a ton of sand. Well, you have three pounds of sand. Uh, second, it's, it's not very forgiving at all. I mean, during the practice stages, you'll go nuts. It's a, a totally different animal. It has the characteristics of both, but it's more like working with wax sands. So it throws off all those people use, uh, who are used to synthetics. Uh, uh, once you learn to use it, though, hybrid is the best sands on the market, in my opinion. Though I'm I'm obviously biased since since I invented it. It took five years of working on that um, every week, uh, uh, trying to come up with with hybrid sands. And the way I say it, uh, the way I describe it, is uh, uh, hybrid sands is kind of like well, like if, if you wanted to to compare it to something. If you've ever ridden a bicycle like that your parents got you, you know, it's got the regular pedals with the regular handlebars, you're sitting upright and all that stuff, and you're not going far distances and you're not going extremely fast, that's kind of like the normal sands of the desert. Hybrid is like a uh, high-performance road bike. You're, it's, you know, more aggressive position, you're attached to your pedals at the feet, um, you're, it's completely different now. It's, they're the same thing, uh, but one is definitely takes a lot more time and practice to master if you if 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 that will benefit you in the long term then i recommend it but if you're doing just um the the mainstream routine uh sands the desert uh is synthetic uh, synthetic or waxed whichever you want to start with uh now whichever sands you get uh uh the refill or the starter pack they both have the same full instruction uh, instructions if you're if you're into that sort of thing uh, my recommendation to magicians new to Sands of the Desert is to start with a refill pack of synthetics, whatever colors you want, originals are the most popular, and a regular pack of Blackwater Clearwater. That's my suggestion. So just start with the synthetics, get the refill pack, it comes with the instructions, and then start with a regular pack of Blackwater Clearwater. Now, there's also a thing called the Blackwater Pouch Kit. 
It contains a special liquid for turning the water black. Uh, it comes with pouches for holding the liquid. It's a very cool product, but it does not work with Blackwater Clearwater. You cannot use the Blackwater pouches with Blackwater Clearwater. The water just stays black. Some performers prefer that. It's actually a pretty incredible product. As soon as the liquid touches the water, it disperses instantly. But once the water is black, it stays black. If you don't want to use either Blackwater product, uh, simply use an opaque bowl. Okay, so there you go. That is Sands of the Desert in a nutshell. I mean, it's a big nutshell, but in a nutshell. And so that's, you know, the basic idea and, and how it works and what you need to know, all that kind of stuff. All you need to get started uh, right there. So next we're going to talk about how to take information like what you've just heard and turn it into a signature magic performance. But first, I want to take a quick break. Are you tired of toy store chain escapes that leave your audience in doubt? Now you have a professional option. The Old World Siberian Chain Escape is an industrial strength steel chain, one inch steel rings and a genuine Brinks five pin brass padlock. It's charcoal fired and gas torched to look every bit as mean as the convicts it was designed to imprison. Real steel, real strong. You still escape in seconds. Visit themagicdepot.com forward slash 6863. Legend has it, now you can too. And we're back. So here we have this trick, Sands of the Desert. We want to transform some or all of its pieces into a new uh, signature magic performance. This might be your next big feature. If you're just starting out, it might be your big break. Magicians uh, come to respect you. Audiences love you and venues pay you. It's, it's a big success. In that case, there's, there's a lot riding on this. I mean, how are you going to pull it off? Well, I like to start with what drew me to the effect in the first place. In general, I like portability, yet lots of movement. I like little tricks that I can perform in a living room if necessary or, or stretch across a stage. Uh, my favorite example of this is a $100 billet catch. I was, I was backstage in the green room of a theater and basically asked last minute uh, to perform five minutes to a crowd of about 100 people. Now, it wasn't a huge audience, but I was a close-up guy, and I had done very little stage at the time, and, and I had never done impromptu stage magic before. Uh, this, was, this was around 20 years ago. I had nothing on me to perform, uh, but, but I had been really gnawing on some ways I could incorporate a bullet catch into my act. I mean, so right there on the spot, I developed my signature version of the bullet catch. I mean, it... It literally took me under 10 minutes to put that routine together. Uh, despite coming up with it so quickly, the, the trick has really stood the test of time. I mean, it's popular today, even with other magicians. Now, technically, uh, uh, it wasn't just that that 10 minutes. I mean, the bullet catch had been on my mind for the past few months. Uh, so when I saw a balloon backstage, you know, which is a, a prop used to demonstrate the bullet passing through the air and into the magician's mouth, I, I began thinking along those lines. Another performer had just used, uh, right before that show, had just used a common magic gimmick backstage to, to mess with one of the non-magicians, and so it was laying there, and uh, the rest of the routine just sort of fell together in my mind. Now, in my version of the bullet catch, I used some of the same props, just, you know, minus a gun. It's almost poking fun at myself for not doing an actual bullet catch. I mean, 
And certainly, I'm I'm riding on the popularity of the bullet catch in that routine. I even tell a bit of the history in a you know a very serious tone before I begin the trick, so that the audience thinks that that's what I'm I'm setting up to perform. I do that really to make sure they know what a bullet catch is, because the hundred dollar billet catch is many times more entertaining for an audience who has seen a serious bullet catch performed, you know, on television or in person. So the scary part is that I went on stage <laughs> unprepared with this specific trick, but uh, but I knew I had it. I, I knew I had that down in my head. I could see it from beginning to end. And all the moves were techniques that I used every day in my close-up performances. There's a kind of stage magic I do. I mean, I, I'm on stage, but for the most part, I'm using close-up techniques. So... Um, uh, the reason I like the bullet catch in the first place is because it fills the stage literally from one side of the other. There, there's not a lot of props there. There's space, but you know, to the audience, the stage is completely full. Uh, so for me, uh, the bullet catch, though, is not all that amazing today. I mean, I think audiences are tense during the performance, but ultimately everyone thinks they know how it's done. So, so I mean... You know, where's the magic? That kind of thing. If if the audience just figures it's a gimmick gun or whatever, so I knew that in whatever version I came up with, I wanted it to fool modern audiences, and uh, uh, eliminating the gun does that in my routine. I mean, everything else stays the same. Uh, with props that fit in a watch pocket, I can perform this huge, huge stage illusion. Uh, and also some of the moves uh, in the $100 billet catch fool magicians. Uh, so so when a magician watches that, th they always have these questions, and I kind of like how they're hinting you know, to try to figure out what I did. And, and so so for all those reasons and more, the $100 billet catch is, is my favorite. So in some ways, uh, that same thing, you know, that how it fills the stage, that's what draws me to Sands of the Desert. Uh, Sands of the Desert is pretty easy, you know, it's, you know, all those close-up routines, depending on the version you do, of course, but, uh, you know, the, the moves are all stuff that you would do close-up, and so it's, you're not nervous if you're not necessarily a stage magician, uh, but then, you know, it's, it's very little props, but it feels like it fills the whole stage, as much as like having a big dance group and grand stage illusion, uh, uh, all of my typical Sands props uh, fit in a very small space. There are a lot of separate pieces, but not a lot of gear overall. I, I can perform it silent or with patter. I can do three minutes or 20. I, I don't do the routine that I described above, you know, as the, the, the like mainstream uh, routine, but I have several other versions that, you know, they work better for me. So in the beginning, like a lot of magicians, I wondered what I could pass the sand off as close up. So the white sands became salt, and the black sands became pepper. There's a hybrid combo uh, meant as a sampler pack that even comes with salt shakers. Uh, in another routine, I removed the sugar from soda, then the label magically changed to diet. That routine comes with the sands you get uh, from the Magic Depot and sandsadesert.com. If you don't want to purchase from those sources for some reason, then uh, look at their covers, the the you know the product images, and that brand is available elsewhere, and it comes with those full instructions. Uh, since then, I've made sands that look like sugar for other magicians too. It's become quite popular recently. I think someone published a version of it um, here in the last year or so, uh, really you can pass synthetic waxed and hybrid off as sugar, just like the base white that you get with, with that pack. You can, you can call it salt, you can call it sugar and 
I don't think people would really call it into question. Another trick in the, in the instructions uses two sands. So the salt and pepper works great for this. I like to perform this routine at festivals, you know, outdoor shows. It's called bowl and plate. I didn't give it a more marketable name because up until a few years ago when I put it in those instructions, I, I hadn't planned on marketing it. it. You know, it was my own personal routine. I bring it up now because while I prefer synthetic sands over wax for most applications, wax is a lot easier to use for bowl and plate, or hybrid, obviously, which is what comes with the shaker combo. Uh, so for that trick, for bowl and plate, my props are pretty much the sand and shakers, some water, and you guessed it, a bowl and plate. A member of the audience stands, uh, you know, I have, I, I invite someone up and I have that person facing the rest of the audience and then uh, they're holding an opaque bowl, which I fill halfway with water and then uh, I set a plate on top. Now, my, my audience member, my helper, holds the plate down with their thumbs and does this little hula dance to, a, uh, to swirl, to mix up the water. They quickly open the plate like, uh, just, you know, tilt it up, and I toss in a full shaker of the pepper, then a, a full shaker of the salt. And uh, between between each, the pepper and the salt, they do the little dance bit, which, you know, is kind of funny and everything. And I do it in such a way where uh, they're just doing it like a little bit, and I'm doing it like over, you know, like way overacting it. And so I'm being laughed at, not, not necessarily them. Pulls them a little bit out of their comfort zone, but not too much. So after it's all mixed up, my helper tilts up the plate, and I quickly reach in and I remove the salt and pepper one at a time. So I reach in, grab the salt, for instance, reach in, grab the pepper. And I prove that they're dry by filling the shaker uh, straight from my hand and, and sprinkling, you know, the, the salt or the pepper out of the little holes. Uh, it's a great trick to perform surrounded. So it works ideal for outside, especially like because you're just letting, you know, these things the the water splash all over the place and the um, the sand and everything as you're pouring it out a little shaker. So what did I do there? Uh, basically, I wanted to do a more mobile sands, uh, something with an easy reset. In this case, the the sands are reset during the show. So I mean, you know, how you can't get easier than that. So I dry off the shakers. I pour out my uh, water and get new at festivals or those spring. Uh, uh, summer, uh, spring to summer farmers markets that are popping up in small towns or their neighborhood centers in big cities. You can literally perform this next to the garden hose. I mean, you just fill up that bowl. So, uh, or you can fill up a pitcher and then pour it to the bowl, which is actually how I prefer it. So I, I built the routine out of necessity. I was attracted to the idea of using sand. You know, it's a, an interesting prop. You can use the sand to tell you know, dramatic stories or remind people of playing in sand, awakening a very different set of emotions than usual. So I wanted to use sands in my show. It fit my character, but there were some very real restrictions, re requirements that forced me to create a fairly specific routine. So you're dealing with the science here. A couple of pounds of treated sands and some water, possibly some chemicals, are your art supply. Then from that and whatever else you add, uh, combined with the performance itself, that's your art. That, that is your art that you're making from these art supplies. So the good comes with the bad, so to speak. Sands of the Desert works because the science works. If you try to defy the science, it's not going to work. You have to wield these natural forces, these characteristics, to your favor. So... Uh, this is the dream stage. Some people don't take the time to really acknowledge the features and the flaws in their raw goods and then fully dream, without limit, the magical results. In other words, you, 
you have what you think are limitations in the props, the raw goods, the art supplies. And it's important that you recognize those limitations, then brainstorm as if they weren't there. It's like when you're in a play. The director might say, you know, emote more than enough and we'll tell you when to dial it back. Just, just go big. So dream bigger than the method, bigger than the trick, bigger, uh, bigger than you. Whatever that means. I mean, just just big. Think big. No limits. Uh, some of the limitations may not be so bad in a whole different world, you know, this whole different world that you create. I don't have to worry about a gun when I perform my $100 billet catch, uh, whereas that's a huge limitation in a bullet catch. I mean, today, like if you're flying on a plane or whatever, I don't know if you can, I don't think you can put that in. <laughs> it's certainly not carry on. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, the bullet catch versus the $100 billet catch, that's two different tricks to everyone else, but but not to me. And you know what? Maybe not to them either. Maybe maybe that is you know so similar that it has you know much of the same feelings. So you'll notice that this episode is, is filed under two categories on the study website. Uh, the categories, which are what we call methods on the study, uh, themagicdepot.com forward slash study. The two methods that this one is filed in is composition and plotting. By coming up with a new trick, you're plotting. You're creating the plot, you know, the, the theme, the setting, the story. By weaving all those pieces together with the method, you're composing the finished piece. So how does the scene, uh, how does the scene open? How will it work? The functioning method? How will this action or dialogue move the story forward to the magic? That's all this stage. So let's say you do all this, but one of the limitations proves too much. Turn it into a feature. You already did that with the other restrictions or you remove them altogether. If we use sands as an example, a major limitation is water. You have to transport it, contain it, dispose it, perform with it. That's a lot of work uh, if you don't plan early. Cleanup is different if you uh, vary sometimes even the smallest component. Uh, we're talking about a trick where you might go uh, dump the water down the drain or maybe there's no time between sets. You'll need a, a bucket hidden behind your other gear or maybe work that into your routine. I mean, remember, dream without limitations. This trick doesn't have to look like anything else. It's, it's up to you to compose a brand new trick from start to finale. Maybe your version has a bucket right there on stage. You turn the water into a feature. Blackwater Clearwater, by the way, does that. Blackwater Clearwater um, turns the water into a feature. That that is where you know an an earlier magician said, "Oh, I have to deal with this water, but you know water is see through, and and you know I don't want the water just to be a a back uh, or a, an afterthought, or you know just look like it's something that's thrown in." They wanted to turn it into a feature. So instead of hiding the water, say in an opaque bowl, they they uh, you know made it part of the trick. Uh, they made it a whole different trick. So after I get a general idea of the succession of events, uh, in this case, what colors of sand, how many different colors, just one, two, four, whatever I decide, then I start getting my narrative together. Uh, what am I going to say? If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to say anything at all, regardless, even if it's a silent act, what's the story? Where do I start? Where do I end up? What challenges do I overcome on the journey? Then I ask... Where's the magic? Now, it, Gerald Kirshner over at Magic City always asks that question when you pitch a trick during the development stages. And since Magic City has distributed my magic for so many years, I, I'm used to hearing that question from him. A and that question is a valuable tool, even though it, it's so simple. Uh, Gerald also has a history with Sands of the Desert. And he introduced synthetic sands back when wax sands first became hard to find. In fact, I would say Sands of the Desert would have probably fallen out of popularity had Gerald not resurrected it years ago. 
So I think Sands of the Desert, whether you do a new routine or the mainstream version, uh, you have to identify and emphasize the magic. You can play the uh, the watercolor changes a bit transition or as a very magical scene, like I said before, you know, that's turning a, a, a limitation, well, not a limitation, but, you know, a, uh, uh, something that's difficult uh, into something that becomes a major feature, so it's worth the difficulty. Might be a better way of saying it than a limitation. So think back to bowl and plate. Where's the magic there? Well, the salt and pepper unmixed from each other and seemed to be unfazed by the liquid. Uh, the salt should have dissolved to some degree. I mean, people know that. The entertainment is with the little fake hula dance and the, the trick itself, the overall scene. Uh, so this is, this is how I like to say it. When, uh, when I'm trying to think where the magic is, my character, somebody, toss, uh, my, my character is the somebody, tosses salt and pepper in a bowl of water. He wants to remove them, but he can't because everything is all mixed together. So he magically separates them and removes them from the water one at a time, dry. That's the magic. That's also the somebody but so method I discussed in a previous episode, and uh, it's in the sh- it's in the show note the essay the show notes that we use on the on the the study website, but it's also you can find it specifically at uh, themagicdepot.com forward slash s just the letter s forward slash story, and it's called somebody but so. Okay, so uh, that's how that's how I both describe the magic sometimes to others, but. Uh, but to myself as well. So uh, from from working with other magicians, this is usually where another Sands of the Desert question comes into play. Uh, can I mix and match the colors, which we've talked about briefly before. And uh, yeah, we do that for customers all the time uh, at the depot. Uh, originals are blue, red, and yellow. But if you want red, white, and blue, we can do that. Just ask for it in the comments uh, or you know, send an email and we'll make sure that you get the colors you want. Other shops might mix and match for you too. I, I don't know. Uh, sandsofthedesert.com definitely will mix and match colors and they can even get you custom colors that aren't necessarily from, uh, from the originals, the naturals, or the fluorescents. So like, uh, I mean, if you want purple sand or you know, teal or whatever, they, they can do pretty much whatever colors. So order a refill pack and get three pounds of whatever color or colors you need. Uh, one of my routines only uses brown sand, so I'd get all three pounds of, of brown sands. If the, uh, if the classic trick that you're plotting and composing isn't Sands of the Desert or, or something where there are options available to you, uh, sometimes you have to make your own prop. You know, I'm fortunate. I have a workshop where I can make almost anything. I do a lot of custom stuff, too. I built a medieval crossbow for a stage effect, uh, carved it literally just right out of a tree in our forest. Uh, I make a lot of metal craft, the, the cannibal face mask, for instance. So when I order a prop, say a wooden box from Amazon, you know, an ordinary wooden box, not a magic item, then, and it's the wrong color, I just strip it down and repaint or stain it. Uh, uh, I one time wanted a, a specific size silicone ball with a magnet inside for a trick, and so I cast it here. But if you don't have access to a workshop like that or your local magic shop doesn't offer those services, you know, contact uh, contact us. See if it if uh, if it's not something we can do, or you know, make sure first that it doesn't alter your scene for the better by using the standard prop. Uh, you know, sometimes a limitation in the beginning might change something for the better. Okay, so your version of Sands is it an island? Probably not. I mean, rarely do we perform just one trick. 
Uh, where are you sticking this routine? Because that matters too. The beginning, middle, or end of your show. I mean, it uh, that that plays into this. So you know that's a big part of the brainstorming session. You're uh, you're going to try to fit it somewhere. Not all versions of Sands of the Desert will work everywhere. So maybe this trick has a ripple effect throughout your show. It's something that you have to consider early in the game. You know, it might change a lot of things. If you were rewriting a scene in Les Mis, you wouldn't just toss in some random words and props. It has to fit the show. You know, it has to fit your show, your brand. So a lot of considerations there. Clothing, for for instance. Clothing is another important consideration. The water is turned black, basically, with special dyes. I mean, perhaps an open an opaque bowl is better for certain venues and costumes. There are options there too. I mean, if you have to take off your jacket, uh, you know, to, to put your hands in the water, that's a good time to change that jacket out for a loaded jacket for the next part of your show, or it's an opportunity to introduce a new character or, uh, you know, sort of how Lance Burton's show was, uh, vignetted by, uh, uh, several different stories. Once you have these considerations in mind, what you do is you, you mix them with your dream. The, you know, from the dream stage, your vision of the trick from the previous step. So you alter what you can, you know, you live with a few drawbacks if necessary, you revolutionize it, you script it, you block it, you rehearse it, and then you perform it, uh, you share it with the world. So Sands of the Desert, when, when properly composed, is a beautiful trick. I watch these sands do their magic nearly every single day of my life, and it is a great honor to be part of a classic trick. One with, with so many legends, such a nostalgic provenance, and, and, and even some controversies about the trick's origins, you know, hundreds of years ago. So I have a project I've been working on for, um, for about five, six years, and when it's finished, I think Sands of the Desert will be viewed in a whole new way. Maybe when you're finished with your version, Sands of the Desert will be viewed in a whole new way. Well, that's it for this episode. Please open a browser right now and type in themagicdepot.com forward slash study. It's a magical place to better your craft. The website features exciting bonus content, the archives, and special promotions for free magic, discount magic, and combo offers. Also, please take a moment to subscribe to this channel and to my newsletter so we can stay in touch. Use the contact form or phone number on the site to share your thoughts with other magicians through the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 